Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, however, wherever, whenever you're listening. This is the Root for Wisconsin show, season two, episode one, episode 53 overall. We are broadcasting from the Minion True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. In person here, I'm Eric Fisher, the biggie, producer, host, wearer of multiple hats. Joining me also in person, Ramsey Thompson. Ramsey, how you doing, buddy? Awesome. How are you guys doing tonight? Fantastic. And joining us via the Zoom room for like the seventh week in a row. Actually, it's probably like the fourth or fifth. But Justin Dahl. Justin, how you doing, buddy? We're rocking and rolling. I'm ready to go. Uh, it's, it was an exciting, exciting week in sports, boys. I, I There's a... You know, our slate isn't big, but there's a lot to talk about on that slate. So There's some heavier excited. topics. Yeah, definitely. Uh, before we do so, and neither one of you know what's about to happen. I have a little put-together uh, speech I put together for the both of y'all and for our listeners. Um, just to kind of wrap up 2021 and our first year of doing weekly episodes. So, as everybody knows, last week we had our 52nd weekly episode. Capping off an incredible first year. Um, first and foremost, thank you to all the listeners who bared with us when we were switching days basically every other week, who subscribed to our content, who watched our Facebook draft party, our other videos about the draft as we broke down different Packers picks, um, who participated in our giveaways, everything that we've kind of done. Thank you. Uh, we had, for the year, uh, 2,300 listens to our podcast through our Apple podcast, through Spotify, through Google podcast, through RSS.com. Just an incredible year. Um, our, you know how everybody does like the Spotify wrapped thing on their Instagram story? Did ours for the podcast just through Spotify. On Spotify, 19 people listen to us more than any other podcast. Wow. So, again, <laughs> why? I guess genuinely, that's my... we started off this podcast, it came from a conversation for me and Ramsey about redoing a podcast we did for a school project that had literally five listeners total to like four episodes, and Justin asked me about a tattoo I got. That's how this started. It started a year ago, um, and just has grown from there. We We said when we first started... If we can get 100 listeners, that'd be great. That was, we, we wanted to get some people to listen every week. On average, we get 42 people listening, 50 people listening, which isn't a whole lot, but it's a lot of room for growth. It's more than we probably expected. It's very humbling. So thank you to all our listeners. Yeah, thank you guys so much. It's, that's amazing. I, I, who would have thought that just something that, you know, I think I messaged you, Eric, about... You posting something about it once, and I was like, "Oh, that would be cool to do." I've always wanted to do it. And yeah, you. Look at where it was where it after I now, got my you know? third tattoo about my mic, my radio, my radio, old school radio microphone. Um, it's and, awesome. And that started this Root for Wisconsin journey. Uh, so first of all, I know last week you guys kind of put me on the spot, uh, naming me the MVP and thanking me for my efforts, and I really had nothing to say back. So. To Justin and Ramsey, first of all, thank you guys for being here just about every week. In some capacity, one of you has been here every week. Uh, Justin, I know, has coached two sports since we started this ride. He has had a daughter that he would not let Ramsey and I name, which is another conversation. We could not get the naming right. We could not get the naming right. Our bid rights, was not high enough. But can, it just has grown his family since then. 
and has you know when he has been able to join us when he can. Thank you, Justin Ramsey, one of my day one guys. You're here never ever nearly every week. Um, you joined us from Indianapolis via Zoom one time. Took time out of your vacation. Thank you both. To the first ladies of the Root for Wisconsin show, Katie, Shauna, and Mel. Uh, Katie, kind of you know can't say thank you enough for letting us steal your husband and having you watch all three kids every single week, just about, and everything that you do for us and and the behind the scenes stuff and you know the things that might happen here down the road and as we continue to grow. Mel has designed our logo, our stickers, hosted our draft party, hosted our Super Bowl party. Awesome stuff. Shauna has made edit our videos. Took time out of a vacation so we could sit here and do an episode for a week. Um, has all three of you have put up with us missing our time with you guys and our time or our time with our families and whatnot. Um, so we can do this every week. Thank you so much. Shout out to Shauna being the only girl in our root for Wisconsin league who also made the playoffs over both you two posers. I Wanted think you're the up. poser. I'm the number one seed. I think I think that's not real. I so, think that looks like uh, the points wait, for so and the points settled? against it makes me question if you're really a true number one seed or not. What would you say, Justin? This all settled? I didn't make it? You didn't make it. Uh, I, I do apologize in the aspect of um, that the only four seeds are making the playoffs this year, so four out of our ten. It is myself at the number one seed. It is the Borough Toe Bowl, Dave Muller from Ohio. It's Shauna and the t- the three seed, and then sneaking in is Tyson Hallett, the four seed. Really, no I was way. a game. Hallett made it before me. That this is rigged. This whole league is rigged. I, so I was only one game back. Just so you know, Eric. I'm proud of you. Comeback hat. I started off zero and four. You did, but you still missed out. So shout out to her on that front. Also, as we kind of wrap up here, shout out to Mitch and Julie Meinier for. Letting us name the sh- the studio after them, and their stores, uh, for giving us helping us build our audience with giving away their jerseys, uh, letting us like I said name the studio after them so that we can sound more official. Uh, Julie very actively sharing the page at all at all times. Uh, same to my parents and same to Ramsey's parents and Justin and Katie. Uh, so thank you to everyone who has shared the page, shared our post, commented sh- anything interaction wise to help more people see it. Want to thank the friends who have joined us on the show. Mason Sprangers is one of the best football minds I know. We have to have him back on soon. Yeah. As we kind of wrap up the Packers season here, but just incredible football mind. It's a, it's a shame um, that other people don't get as much of a chance to see it, especially some of the universities. I know he's kind of looking into more of a scouting department and some scouting schools and really deserves more than he, he's getting. Smart guy, incredible mind. Also, Matt Polly giving me someone to talk about the Brewers with and talk some college basketball. So he's come on a couple times also, thanks to Matt. Ryan Hobson with the Green Bay Blizzard giving us a lens at the Indoor Football League. Zach Bruner from Flurry Sports coming on to talk Packers with us on a pinch. Uh, Nick Frymuth, who came on and gave us perspective of being at the Bucks Finals in Milwaukee and sent us a towel, one of the rally towels from the, the arena. Uh, shout out to him. As we look ahead to 22, 2022, a lot of stuff on the docket for the Root for Wisconsin show. The show is only going to get better and bigger. Not anything cemented yet, so I don't want to give dates or ideas, but 
we got a lot of stuff coming up. And the next year, this thing is only going to keep growing. We're going to have more, better content, hopefully more interviews, more guests. This is only the start of the journey. So thank you for everyone who participated in 2021. As we had our first official year, making weekly episodes, a couple bonus episodes along the way. And again, thanks to my co-host. Well, I think you forgot probably the most important part, that we officially re-upped for a full another year. We are. We are officially so there will be re-upped a, for a another year. Two to this mess of a show. Yeah. Yeah. So we are officially re-upped for another year. Uh, equipment. I mean, we own the equipment, so I mean, we can always figure it out. The audio software. The studio is going to be here. The licensing with our monthly, our website who does all the posting to the different places, we're good for another year. So we're re-upped. I mean, so if you want to listen to another 52 episodes of torture, I'd like to ask the question too. How, how are we the most listened to on 19 people's different podcasts? I, good for them, you know. I, I don't know. Uh, but thank right. you so much. <laughs> yeah, <that's, laughs> we appreciate that. And you'll, you're on the ground floor. Yeah. So just wanted to report back with you guys, do a little bit of Spotify wrap, a little final wrap up on the season one. And as we look forward to season two, let's start with it right away. As always, talking about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. I don't know if you boys saw this, but Sunday I posted my touchdown dance lineup. And it was big win. Big win. Yeah. It, it would have hit the three Good and a half. Hit. Good hit. Would have hit the three and a half uh, touchdown mark two with two from Devontae, two from Aaron Jones. So that could have been potentially a six-time multiplier if you were feeling a little more risky than I was. So, again, it's money in your pocket. We're going to continue posting more on there and more of our weekly touchdown dances. Some are going to hit, some won't. This one did. Red hot right now. Also, our friends over at Ray's. I would also like... Never mind. No, go ahead. Go no, ahead. Go I'm ahead. not. This is a different subject for later in the episode. Fair enough. Our friends over at Ray's Energy, repsports.com, they've had the 25 days of Ray's They re-released the juice box, apple juice flavor. It's sold out in an hour, like a couple hours. Again. Really? So, if you didn't, if you missed out on the juice box flavor, like I did, out of luck again. But a whole lifestyle, they're we killing. say it every week, they're killing it. They're growing along with us, and we're growing along with them. Awesome company to work with. Awesome part company to have on our side. That's Raise Energy. Go to repsports.com. Code ROOT4, 15% off any order. And with that, we go into what we had rooted for for the following week. Um, and that is sponsored by Fanatics. Fanatics, over 300-plus powered stores where you can root for your team, show your love for your team, whether you're on top of the world or at the bottom. Show your love for your team. Hashtag love on with fanatics. And Justin, you can go first because I've talked a lot. What I rooted for was the most unbelievable thing to happen over the weekend. It shocked the world. And that was Juliana Pena beating Amanda Nunez in the Bantamweight Championship of the World. Unbelievable. She took the fight to her boys. And she choked her out in the second round after she took the fight to her and almost knocked her out a couple times. Uh, for those that are, are very good or, or very avid UFC fans or not very avid, Amanda Nunez 
is globally known as the greatest female fighter of all time. Uh, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That fight now does not change that narrative about Amanda Nunez. Okay, she is still the greatest fighter of all time, and there will be a rematch. But it shot. I think at one point, uh, Amanda Nunez was the highest uh, favorite on the card at minus eleven hundred uh, <laughs> favor, and somebody really cashed in if they put their money on Pena. Pena from Chicago, uh, a little closer to home for us guys here, uh, was an easy route for. Uh, a brand new mother of a daughter that's uh, a toddler. So uh, just an unbelievable, unbelievable upset in, in the world of MMA. So it was awesome. I watched it live, got the card. Uh, I know, I know uh, Eric and I talked a little bit about his guy in, in Sugar Sean, but uh, that stole the show was incredible. Uh, the vibe around the fight was incredible. Um, and, and the best part about it was is she said what she was going to do. She was going to take the fight to Nunez, and she did, and she answered, and she is the new UFC women's bantamweight champion. Yeah, I did not get a chance to watch the fight. Had some other stuff going on Saturday night. I did get to tune in for the Sugar Sean fight. Um, really excited about his path here as I think he could be UFC's next top star. Very technically sound as a fighter. Um, I know that Justin isn't putting a whole lot of merit into his wins. Um, but again, from all experts, and, and he's got the look. It's a weird look. Don't get me wrong. It is a weird look, but he's got the look. He's kind of stepping into his own, has been on the undercard of some, or has been on the underside of some main card fights now. Only growing that brand more and more. He's got an avenue as he makes quite a few appearances on some bigger media outlets as he goes on here. He could be the next big thing. We'll see when he starts kind of getting into these more ranked fights yeah. and how he can keep it going. But from a short-term process, really curious to see his growth. Yeah, he's got all the talents in the world. Uh, a lot of people want to compare him because of his mouth with Conor McGregor. Uh, he's just, he's just got to fight bigger name guys, right? He's, he's got a, he, he's getting there. Uh, he's got a great record. He had a shot. He had a shot against a, a ranked opponent and he got knocked out in the first round. Uh, so he, he's trying to climb back up. Uh, he will most certainly uh, undoubtedly have a, a number next to his name, um, coming this week, whenever the rankings come out, if they haven't came out already, um, he, he's a he's a top line prospect, and the guy he beat was uh, a a top a, a top line prospect. Um, also, um, I just don't, you know, he, he's got to he's got to fight. He's got to get a he's got to get a top ten guy. He's got to get a top fifteen guy, and he's got to prove himself yet. Uh, and that's it. His gimmick is working for him, but it's got to be at, at some point more than a gimmick. Yeah, I don't disagree, Ramsey. I don't know. I think Shoshan's talented. I mean, I don't... I'm not saying he's not talented. That's I... not at all what I'm saying. 
because his fights, and I, I, I'm not going to see Saturday Night's fight, but the more on that in a little bit. But he's dominated all the tomato cans he's been fighting. So I mean, that says something. Very true. Very true. But you know, like two fights ago, he fights a guy on short notice, and the guy, you know, the guy makes it all the way through. Officially, you is thirteenth in the uh, the flyweight or the bantamweight division. Did, so he did. He jumped all the way up to thirteen. Hey, isn't Nunez uh, in the, the bantamweight division too? Women's new bantamweight. I know what I said. Fair enough. She and Nunez is still a title holder. FYI, who I'm would be? Uh, what would the line on that be? Nunez versus Shogun. I'm not going to go on that. That oh, that is a no. dangerous topic, Ramsey. What's that line? <laughs> <laughs> not yet. We just re-upped. We can't get canceled. What I I think Nunez is going to run. I, I'm. I'm just saying we. I don't. I don't know if we can promote that fight. I can do whatever I want. Fair enough. <laughs> think about the pay per view, guys. Fair enough. I think that'd be a better fight Huge. for Greg Hardy, but oh, <laughs> there's not a there's not a better oh. assault rifles in a UF, UFC ring. <laughs> Ouch. Anyway, Ramsey, your root for for the last week. Um, the F one World Championship at Abu Dhabi. Um. It's uh, always good for a sport when it gets a lot of publicity, especially stateside. And I saw a lot of coverage about F1 coming down the stretch here with an excellent title fight between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. Kind of the considered the greatest of all time or one of the greats of all time in Formula One versus kind of the prodigy in F1. So that being was, Hamilton being the greatest and Verstappen being the, being the next kind thing. of the guy that you've been hearing about for a while now on coming up the F3 and F2 that he was kind of ne- going to be the next big thing. So it's always good to see um, parity in a sport that traditionally can be dominated very easily by a driver or a team. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and are you going to talk about the controversy, or is that later? Uh, so, F1 is a very... There's a lot of gimmicks that go into it. And this was kind of a gimmicky thing that Lewis Hamilton's upset at how Max Verstappen passed him. And it... I don't know. I, I'm not going to talk about it, because I don't think it should be a thing. But... Because... Basically what happened is it was still under review until I believe tomorrow at whatever, I'm not sure F1's headquarters are, but the incident between Master Stappen and Lewis Hamilton is technically still under review right now. So in theory, F1 won't do this because it'd be terrible for the brand, but they could strip Master Stappen of his world championship and give it to Lewis Hamilton. In theory... It's not out of the woods yet, but it probably won't happen. Is that what you're saying? It won't happen solely because of it was a world championship race. Right. They're not going to let kind of political bullshit determine a world champion. So I do respect F1 for that. But. And you said, so just to kind of. The controversy is how he got passed. Is that correct? Yes. And it's just one of those things that, unless you're an avid F1 watcher, it's a whole different kind of event, I guess. 
I don't I, I don't feel comfortable. I don't know enough about it to feel comfortable enough talking about it. Okay. And I watched the race. Like I didn't see anything wrong, but I'm obviously not. So if if I can try to fill in the gaps, I'm just you know I've done some reading on this because you've kind of piqued my interest in F one. So the whole argument because Mercedes Benz is the one because that's his sponsors, correct? Mercedes. So it's his car sponsor. That's Mercedes is the manufacturer okay. of. So F one's very manufacturer heavy, right? So manufacturers basically sponsor a car, right? That that's what I was referring yeah. to. So that's his. That's Lewis Hamilton's manufacturer. Is Mercedes. So if I'm, they're the ones who actually put the the protest in or the appeal in, regarding the fact that there was lapped traffic, that was allowed to unlap themselves, which gave, that put Verstappen right behind Hamilton instead of, and that the rule. To that point, the way that it was officiated was that that wasn't the case where they had to wait a lap. Or it could have let the race finish under yellow and Lewis Hamilton would have won under yellow. And the way that they handled it was to allow a green flag run, Verstappen right behind him on fresher tires. Which you would do for a world title, right? Right. You don't want your world championship ending under yellow. Right. So... I don't know. Like I said, I don't really like talking about it because I think that side of F1 is just nonsense. And that's all it is, is a bunch of nonsense and a bunch of... Basically what it is is these cars are so valuable that they put so many different rules in place to try to prevent these cars from taking more damage than what it's supposed to be. And then now you have these rules in place, but it's more of a... They're more like formality rules more so than... Like, oh, we need this. It's more of, oh, we have to do this because we have other rules in place. Right. The FIA is kind of a bunch of bullshit, too. But that, that's a whole <laughs> nother... Fair enough. Fair enough. My route four for the week um, is going to bring it back home a little bit. And just knowing my uh, affiliation with, with my job at the radio station and Green Bay Phoenix Athletics, uh, the Green Bay Phoenix women... And this this isn't much of a statement in the grand scheme of things if you know the dynamics of college basketball, um, for women's college basketball specifically, but took down their second power five of the year in the Wisconsin Badgers women. Um, and always good to get that in-state win for the mid-major and has been doing it very consistently with the exception of last year because they didn't play. But very you know very good win for the program um, and kind of build up with their continuing to hopefully ride some momentum here and kind of regain the star power that they've kind of been lacking the last two, three years as a program. Um, but really good to see them get that big win over the, the in-school state or in-state school um, and get a second power five in the calendar year. So good for them. And with that, we go from the positives to the negatives with the Tyler here no good of the week. And I'll let Justin go first again because we haven't heard from him in a while. This one I think is is uh, is pretty goddamn easy, boys. Uh, I don't mean to put it like that, but it's got to be Marie Drayton, the the special teams coordinator for for uh, I'm, I might have said his name even wrong. That's how bad it is. Uh, the special teams coordinator for the Packers and the performance that they had the other night uh, was abominable. It was so bad. They are lucky 
to have won the game with how bad that was. Uh, you know, it, it, it's small, stupid stuff. Like Malik Taylor trying to receive a ball at the five-yard line in the corner, and the ball goes out of bounds. We start to drive at the six-yard line. It, it, it's absurd. The, the coaching is, is not great. Uh, it's been all year um, bad, but it came to a, a dramatic highlight uh, Sunday night in, in the game against the Bears. I would go as far to say that if this continues any further than this weekend, and if it gets any worse, we're looking at a potential Kevin King Dumpster Fire of the Year award for next year. Well, it's pretty bad when you're asking for Ron Zook to come back because that's the last <laughs> time we had a halfway decent special teams. That Yeah, that's pretty bad. I haven't seen anybody request that. But it just the fact, I mean, and I know Zach, in the episode he had joined us, was kind of alluding to this of um, the, just the fact that they've spent so much time building up the roster and depth-wise that they don't have special teams players. But, like, the issues that came, the 97-yard punt return the other night was an issue. It wasn't an issue of talent. It was an issue of how they actually played the coverage. Right. right. And and there's so many of those aspects. I mean, I don't think the Bears on Sunday night started behind the 30-yard line on any of their drives. Definitely not off of a kickoff. Yeah, yeah. So with all that, I, I, w- I would definitely agree it's, it's a very easy one to go to. Um, but like I said, that's ver- almost verging on Dumpster Fire of the Year Award. Yeah. It's not even competitive, though. That's the problem. It's not... Well, it's week one. <laughs> you're not going to be able... You're not going to be... Here's the problem, and, and the underlying issue is we are not going to win a Super Bowl with this level of special teams play. No, because and it started it started how many weeks ago with our kicking team and how how terrible that's been and to make such a stupid decision to change it all the way up and these problems never started until they decided to change a long snapper. Right? It was halfway decent until they got rid of Hunter Bradley. And all of a sudden, now it starts. It's starting to look like we're going downhill in every aspect of special teams, and that has to be so alarming for Gutekunz and for and for Lafleur that this is going so bad. Knowing that if we play like this on special teams, there is not a chance in hell we are going to win a Super Bowl well, with a Super Bowl caliber team. No, and that's that's I think the, there's two ways to look at it. Aspect one is the more negative side where you can say, okay, you because you're absolutely right. If you're getting, you know, you're letting the bear start at the better 30, 35, 40 yard line, if not better every position, when you start playing these teams that are a lot better than the Bears, you're going to be put in bad situations. You're not going to win a Super Bowl that front. The only silver lining that I can say right now about this special teams unit is that maybe as more of these guys get healthy, so maybe as Jair Alexander comes back, maybe as Zadarius comes back, and and you can kind of reallocate some of these guys that you've been using as depth players who have had to step up, if you can reallocate them to special teams so that your fifth-string guys aren't out there, maybe there's a silver lining. 
Um, I did laugh my ass off because I didn't see a whole lot of Kevin King on defense, but I saw a lot of Kevin King on special teams the other night. And that made me really happy. Was he happy. really? He was. He I didn't on, even know he was suited up. On one of the, uh, the, one of the kick returns, or kick, kick coverages, I should say, excuse me, he did make a tackle. I don't remember him. I didn't see him in coverage at I don't all. remember seeing him in coverage. That's even funnier if you really think about that. Yeah. What's really $6 funny. Dollars, that's what $6 I'm million dollar special teams player. And annual, first annual winner yeah, of the Kevin Kennedy Dumpster Fire of the Year Award. And he's and playing kick return. special teams So just what a little, loser. you know, I, I joke about my, uh, my made-up rivalry with him, but my buddy Sean, shout out to Sean, uh, texted me about, because we texted each other at the same time when Kevin King got the tackle. It was four years ago that Kevin King came after me saying he has not played a snap of special teams or snap a kick return since his sophomore year of college. It was four years ago. How the tables have turned, bitch. Is what I have to say about that. Ooh. Whoa. Anyway, so Ramsey, your Tyler Hero of the Week? I think I'm going to go after the NCAA again. And I, I know that the NIL and the transfer portal are both ne- necessary things. I'm a little worried about the amount of money that's being thrown around college football right now. I think that that is a. Potential issue coming down the road that could be preventable if the NCAA was a better run organization. <laughs> but I could think we can all agree that they're not, and some of these issues could come to a head very abruptly. And I, I don't want to see the NIL get taken away due to the fact of the NCAA not doing their part. I don't want to see the transportable taken away because the NCAA is not governing it basically at all. And I think that basically there just needs to be a commissioner of the NCAA. And, or a couple, a couple, a committee, a, a governing body over the entire aspect of the sport that has final say. Yeah, there's, there are, that, that is such a, a hot topic, right? The NIL. And the NIL is uh, one of those things now. It's like if you if you pop that bubble, you're never gonna get it back, right? Because you're branding some sort of professionalism in allowing it to happen, where an actual professional league is gonna have to make a decision whether to allow these 18-year-olds to come or not, right? So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know that I agree with harboring it the way more than what it is, right? I I think Eric is kind of in in this camp with me also. Um it's supposed to be a one-time transfer, you know, with no eligibility um, taken away, right? And then and anytime you transfer after that, outside of being a grad transfer, um, then you then you're free to play right away. So you can't just be a freshman, transfer, go to Texas, don't get to play, and then transfer again, your sophomore year and play right away that that's not how it is now 
And I, I, I think that's the way it should stay. Like a lot of these guys are just, they're transferring right away uh, after the freshman year, um, waiting till they can either graduate after their junior year or senior year and, and becoming a fifth year guy and then transferring right away uh, as a grad transfer into play right away. So I don't know that that, that transfer part of it has to change. So I guess what I'm getting at is, and I don't, I'm kind of sounding like the old man in the front yard. Shaking I, your fist at a cloud? Exactly. I don't, I just don't think that this should be what Quinn Ewers did. The number one quarterback recruit in the nation, what, last year? Uh, technically, technically this it was year. this year, but he graduated early. right. And went to Ohio State, made a bunch of money at Ohio State, and then basically said, all right, I'm out, and I'm going to go to Texas. I don't think stuff like that should be allowed. That seems just kind of dishonest to me. And I'm, I'm sure there's more behind the scenes. I'm sure that one day we'll know the full story. But I don't think that you should be able to graduate high school early to go play college football to make a bunch of money at a, a school. And then you realize, oh, I don't want to go play for Texas now. And then transfer back to Texas. I, d- I just that seem that kind of stuff seems pretty. Uh, there, yeah, there's... but in the same right, he is cementing his boat now. He is stuck with Texas until he's at least graduated, right? Yeah, I understand that. I just don't think that that should be an option for kids. And I'd even be fine maybe after losing the year of eligibility still after the first transfer. Or if it goes into, like, I, we were talking about the podcast about this, of a Brian Kelly-Notre Dame situation where Brian Kelly leaves, then I think that the transfer portal should open back up to you or something along. I think it should be more regulated than just basically saying, oh, I just want to leave without any other circumstance involved. And I, I think that I'm probably being a little harsher on it than what the situation is actually going to be because he's going to go to Texas and be irrelevant again for four years because that's just how Texas is right now as a program. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to matter. I just don't like the optic of that for college athletes at this point. You know, this is definitely where we we, uh, disagree because, you know, I think earlier in our – in our in our days on the podcast, we were arguing for the fact that we weren't allowing kids to to have an NIL to to be able to make money off their name. And in now that now that we've allowed it or the NCAA has allowed it, we're seeing the ugly side of it. So it's one of those things. It's it's with the good you're gonna get the bad, and sometimes the bad looks really bad. And and the Quinn Ewers thing looks pretty bad right see and and honestly i think i think that the nil is still going to be the better route to go first of all it's more honest we knew that a lot of these kids were probably getting money under the table and then they'd face sanctions for no reason and reggie bush gets a high well you're not from them and right you're not hurting kids further down the road right right so that's the first i mean we look at like I mean, Ohio State guys, the whole tattoo gate where they got a free tattoo for just being on the football team and then 
kids five, six years down the road end up suffering where they can't go to bowl games, they can't go to championship games, etc. And that's incredibly stupid too. Um, right. I think we're kind of in a, and I, I think Matt Polly had talked about this actually with us when he joined the show one time. I think we're kind of in a wild west days of it right now where we're seeing all this money flying around. And I think it will come back down to earth a little bit because especially with the transfer portal, we're going to see these businesses, you know, who are, you know, businesses, boosters, et cetera, because the money, it's not technically coming from the school. It's coming from, you know, this car dealership or this other, you know, business or whatever, where eventually you're going to have to say it even out because they're going to get burned by like a Quinn Ewers who goes to Ohio State, says he's going to be here, signs a deal with, let's just say, again, for Ohio State grad, you know, I just, I can't even think of a graduate right now, but signs a, with a car dealership. He gets his bag, you know, makes his AJ money. AJ Hawk Auto. Yeah, AJ Hawk Auto. Good, good call, Justin. Good pull. Signs with the AJ Hawk Auto, stays there for a year, takes his bag, and goes back to Texas. You're going to start seeing people get burned by that. I think it's going to even out. But the business itself can write that off as a tax write-off. Sure. So uh, they're not going to – they're doing it. They're making their money back too. I mean, that's the issue. There's a, there's a problem that I just don't trust boosters with – huge paychecks starting to talk to 17-year-old kids and say, hey, this is a decision you should be making. And I, I do, I, like you said, I think at this point, I think that's a very good point, Eric, and I do think it's kind of a wild, wild west type situation where I'm sure in a few years it's going to look a little different than it does now. But as of right now, it's a completely ungoverned system of people just being able to throw millions of dollars at kids that a lot, not a lot of times, but there are situations where it's a less fortunate background that the kids need the money. And I think the kids should have the money because they're making, it's a business, right? Mm-hmm. They're a product, they're a business, so they should be making the money. But to be able to just go, it's kind of dishonest business in my opinion. And I get that, and it's just one of those things that there's a lot of, that's so much money in college football right now. That's gonna be thrown around, and well, and and I think there's a lot more good to bad than it. Like I know I was talking to, I'm not gonna name drop here because I don't want to put something out there that isn't supposed to be out there. But for these, you know, you look at um, the different you know elements. I mean, you look at like the Northwoods League, where we had the Green Bay Rockers, and they were the form of the Green Bay Booyah, where they still can't. You know- I'm just going to touch on that. They should have been up for consideration for changing their name to the Green Bay Rockers too, for for Noogie of the Year or Dumpster Fire of the Year. That that's terrible. The booyah was really bad though. I I kind of like oh, it when you the booyah was terrible. When you take into consideration the fact that you should that have just stayed the Bullfrogs a long time ago. Anyways, when you take into consideration that it's owned by Skogan, who owns Festival, who also owns the Epic Event Center. And he's kind of trying to build the multi, or like the, not the multimedia, but the entertainment as a whole value over there. I, I get why they did it. And it, apparently, so from what I remember, um, I, I'm a big fan of it in that aspect, but that's, that's different. But anyway, 
the reason I bring this up, though, is just the simple element of it is that these guys still can't get paid to play, but it opens a lot of opportunities even in these summer leagues where a guy can come here and, and get more involved in the community because up until this point, they really couldn't make community appearances even if they weren't getting paid up to this point. They could, you know, they could only really do the, the library, the children's program, whatever. And they can kind of do some more elements of it, get paid a little bit, and also just kind of do their, you know, be more involved in the community too. So there's a, a few different elements to it too. Um, like I said, I think it's going to be a lot better in the long run. I think we do need to get through this Wild West days of it though too. Uh, my Noogie of the Week, I got two. The first one is our own Ramsey Thompson. Damn. And combined, oh! combined with uh, Josh Bonas and Bob Bonas, who... At just now, I'm going to inform you on some stuff. So went to the Gambler game Saturday. Uh, I personally, I went with Shauna and her sister and her brother-in-law. So nice little outing that we had. You know, got some dinner, whatever, beforehand. Ramsey and Josh go, and Josh's dad go, on their own accord. We meet up with them, and they're sitting a couple sections down from us. At one point, those three get on the, the big screen. And I'm not Mr. <laughs> I'm not Mr. Oh, you've got to make a fool of yourself on the big screen, whatever. But you've kind of got to acknowledge it. You can't just sit there. They were so deep in conversation, too big for the moment. And it just so happened that it was a truck, the truck drive cam where they, you know, you do the, you pull the horn, it's got the horn, whatever. And Josh, congratulations to Josh, by the way, who just got in his CDL last week. Just a perfect timing moment. Josh can officially drive semis now, has a semi cam on him. Too good for the moment, and and just a little bit of a noogie there. You want to know the funny part about that was? What's that? We were talking about diesel trucks, and like literally oh. talking about <laughs> diesel trucks and semis <laughs> while the trucker cam was on. You big and time neither the trucker cam talking about diesel trucks. You big time the trucker cam while well, talking about because I I am big time. Trucks. Let's get it straight. <laughs> <laughs> However. I am oh all for chugging God. beers on big screens, as Eric knows. And you I let was, the opportunity slip. I, the opportunity slipped by. I can take a look for that. It was, um, we were just, again, talking about diesel and performance and semis. And our friend Josh is also a diesel mechanic. That's what he really does. And now he just got CDL. So obviously when we're together. I do a little truck driving on my own. Not necessarily on over the road, but drive a little semi here and there. But it's uh, an interest of mine. But it it was funny because we didn't know we were on the trucker cam until Josh's girlfriend Megan texted him and said, "Oh, our neighbor just saw you on the trucking cam at the game," and we're like, "Oh shit." Well, and I didn't tell him that I was gonna be. He was gonna be my nuggie. I've I've had this held in since Saturday. So my other nuggie. My more serious nugget is it's going to be on my sport of baseball. It's Steve Marcus. And as Ramsey and I know, um, Steve Marcus is one of the, the baseball writers and the baseball writers of America. It's the who, biggest bunch of dipshits. For real, though. Like, so <laughs> the Hall of Fame ballots are out right now, and we're kind of waiting on, on seeing who's going to be in the Hall of Fame this year. And there are some big candidates up in their final year right now. Guys who've kind of gotten the black eye, who have this, I mean, that's, there's, 
guys like Barry Bond, Sammy Sosa, Kurt Schilling, um, who are all in there last year, who arguably, whether you, you know, I'm not saying I'm pro steroids, but deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, what they accomplished, regardless of their black eye that they kind of caused the sport for a while. They are an era of baseball, and it is a significant one. Then they did break these records and whatnot, too. With that in mind, um, Steve Marcus, for the second straight year, submitted a blank ballot. With no Hall of Fame candidates, circled, no whatever. To get in the Hall of Fame, I believe you have to have 75% of the votes for baseball, maybe 80 it's in that upper echelon where you have to have a good number of the votes to get in. And the fact that we're wasting ballots on this guy who, and these writers who are too good and too hold the sport and too high of a regard and have the sanctity of the game and are just dipshits, as Ramsey said. And I, I really don't get it at this point. Well, let's be honest. Barry Bond, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire... Uh, Roger Clemens, all those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. And regardless of how you feel on what they did, at the end of the day, it wasn't the steroid swing in the bat. And in Barry Bond's case, he would have had a Hall of Fame career pre-steroids. Mm-hmm. Roger Clemens, I believe, also would have had a Hall of Fame career pre-steroids. And it wasn't the steroids that's out there swinging the bat, the steroids just enhanced their workout and recovery after the fact. So the fact that they want to just omit these guys out of baseball's history as a whole, and let's be brutally honest about something too, when those guys were at their peak in the what late 90s? Late 90s, early, early 2000s. 2000s. That was when baseball was at its peak in the recent era. Fair enough. In the recent era, so obviously, you know, the 30s and 40s, and that was all people paid attention to. But since the boom of the NFL in the late 80s, we've been a, or early 80s, I guess, we've been a football-dominated culture, right? Baseball was on par with where football was in that time of the home run chase. And you just want to omit some players that were responsible for probably the biggest or the most prosperous years of the sport, just seems just absurd to me. And and don't get me wrong. I I mean, like I said, I'm not forgiving their transgressions. I don't necessarily agree with what they did. But like you said, they you have to look at and take into serious consideration the impact that they had in the sport, and the fact that these guys, I do think they belong in the Hall of Fame. Maybe you give them a year or two of sweating it out. But the fact that, like, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling are all in their 10th and final year of being on the ballot and aren't Hall of Famers is ludicrous to me. And they won't be this year either. It'll be close. Um, all three of them were kind of in that 70% range, um, whether or not they get in. They have to make 75 so they do have to make a little bit of a jump. But the guy, the fact that, like I said, that Steve Marcus is getting this ballot and not getting anything and not going into the Hall of Fame and, and just gets to waste his ballot every year is, quite frankly, bullshit to me. So that is my ultimate nuggie for this week. And then Ramsey and Josh and Bob. 
Those are good noogies. I'd like to give a noogie to Wisconsin right now, the basketball team. They're down 37 to 28 at halftime to Nickel State. Nickel State's taking for the woodshed right now. They're they hitting every single shot them. I've seen them take, though, right now, too. Like, I, Oh, my God. I've not looked over and seen them miss a shot yet. So That was just a quick one. I'm good with that one. All right, cool. So then we go into the Bucks report. And all I've got for a Bucks report is Chris Middleton's hurt. Giannis has got COVID. Let's move on for two weeks. DiVincenzo's coming back. He should be back tonight. That's, that's semi-big news. Giannis has COVID. Chris Snyder. Middleton is hurt. We'll talk about in two weeks. <laughs> yeah, but good for Dante. I'm glad he's back. We do love it. This is a big guy, DiVincenzo. Okay. But that's all I got from the Bucks for. <laughs> <laughs> we might revisit next week because they do play on Christmas next weekend. So maybe we'll we'll give it a little bit of a, a whirl after that, but probably in two weeks. Justin, the Badger report. Interesting stuff. Uh Johnny Davis not playing tonight. Um, but the Badgers basketball team uh went over to Ohio State over the weekend. Uh big Big uh, Saturday noon game, and uh, they really took it on the chin. Um, they lost by uh, over 20 points. Uh, it was it was kind of a, a tall tale um, game. If the Badgers are going to be a successful team, Johnny Davis and Brad Davison are going to have to get theirs, but they're going to have to get uh, 20 points or more, 20 to 25 points from the five other guys that are in the rotation to help these guys win basketball games. It's not going to be able to be all Johnny Davis and Brad Davidson. Uh, and that's evident tonight, even watching the game. Brad Davidson uh, had eight quick early points, and, and they were playing alongside. But we, he goes cold, uh, and you don't have Johnny Davis on the court to help you. Uh, things could get ugly quick, and you're down nine at halftime to Nickel State. So there's a, there's a, a couple things to look at uh, with uh, the Badgers. One one bright spot though is that uh, the transfer kid from Cincinnati, Chris Vogt, has played well. Um, he has really established himself as a a major factor in the middle of their their lineup. Um, has spelled Stephen Crawl well. Uh, and certainly gives them a uh, a different aspect. Uh, I would like to give him a quick shout out. He is from uh, Mayfield, Kentucky, uh, the uh, the center of where the tornadoes went through over the weekend, and he has raised over fifty thousand uh, dollars through a GoFundMe um, to help his hometown which is outstanding for a uh, college athlete to do. Uh, so big shout out to him. Uh, exciting day uh, for college football fans all, all around. Uh, it was a, a semi-quiet but semi-good day um, for the Badgers. It's National Signing Day. The Badgers have uh, now locked up. 14 recruits, 13 that have signed, but uh, arguably the biggest uh, and most important get um, out of their class uh, was from Sun Prairie and Isaac Ham, um, uh, 
edge rusher, a four-star edge rusher. He is their second highest um, rated recruit to commit to the Badgers this year. Um, just a big, big get uh, to keep that guy home. Uh, the Badgers did lose out on uh, arguably the state's second or the first or second uh, recruit um, in the state, and Billy Shrouth, who committed to Notre Dame over the weekend. That That is a uh, bigger loss. Uh, there is one more in-state guy that has yet to make a decision. Um, he is down to Ohio State and um, Wisconsin and Carson Hinsman. Um, that would be a huge get for the Badgers and, and really wrap up a bow. Um, and we just got done talking about it. Their, their recruiting um, edge is not done. They will attack uh, the transfer portal from here to February. Um, and, and maybe some, some sleeper guys that are, that are going to sneak through the cracks. Um, they did lose out on a couple guys, uh, today in, in a guy from Michigan that committed to Iowa and a running back out of California that recommitted back to Justin Wilcox, the Badgers, former defensive coordinator, um, at California. So, uh, all in all, a pretty good day. Uh, there were really no surprises. Uh, one of the strongest things that the Badgers have done over the years is they have recruited uh, preferred walk-ons really well. And it doesn't get enough talk, uh, but this class that the Badgers have recruited this year is a pretty stellar class. They they got a three-star kid out of Seattle, Washington, uh, to decommit from uh, a, a G5 school, and he walked on at Wisconsin. Uh, that says that says immensely uh, a great amount about what Wisconsin's program is uh, as a walk-on program um, and where they're going to go. He is a linebacker. Um, that that's that's a pretty uh, telling thing, you know. Um, Wisconsin has now, over the last five eight years, produced some pretty goddamn good linebackers. So the tradition there is growing, uh, and the outlook is really it, we might be turning from O line you to to linebacker you uh, with some of the guys that we're sending to the league. So, oh no, great a great day for Badger recruiting. It's not over. Um, it's uh, it's going to be a long two months yet for for those guys till February sixth. So it's exciting times. Uh, I do believe there was some news about some guys. Uh, Colin Wilder, uh, the starting safety for the Badgers, has uh, unofficially ended his UW career. Uh, he famously was ejected on the first defensive play in the Minnesota game for the hit. Turns out he tore some ligaments that are intertwined with his spine on that hit. So uh, a blessing in disguise uh, to kind of get thrown out of the game uh, for that, for his, his personal safety. Um, there are some guys that are making decisions on whether they're going to come back to for their um, COVID year or sixth year or grad year. So those are things. 
Uh, the biggest guy to keep your eye on, uh, he was named the first team All-American. I believe that came out today, and that was uh, the superstar um, inside linebacker, Leo Chanel. Um, just an outstanding guy. He's going to wait. Him and Keanu Benton are going to wait to see what their draft grades are, to see where they possibly could get uh, picked and, and then make a decision. Um, so, yeah. Las Vegas Bowl coming up. The the prep for that uh, is uh, is coming. I, I I'm kind of disappointed in in the bowl berth they got, uh, considering that a seven and five Penn State teams going to the Outback Bowl, which is more of a traditional bowl and and uh, a New Year's Day bowl. Um, the Badgers will be playing at nine thirty at night, uh, local time against yeah. Arizona time. Our time, yeah, yeah. Um, against Arizona State in the Las Vegas Bowl. So December 30th is coming up fast, and that, that's pretty much the Badger Report, guys. Yeah, uh, a couple, I don't couple know things if you got to hit anything on here. to touch on. Yeah, just a couple things to hit on outside the Badgers, uh, but with signing day, Christian Driver did sign on with Penn State today. Uh, so I know he had been, you know, son of Donald Driver. He had oh. been Christian Driver. Yeah, I was just, I'm sorry, I, I, I forgot to mention one thing. Okay. And uh, that is the Wisconsin women's volleyball team repeating, going back to the Final Four again. Outstanding, outstanding. Um, they, they just pretty much walked through the whole tournament so far, just sweeping everybody. So just a power program that uh, Kelly Sheffield has, has grown there um, in the volleyball program. So congratulations to them. And hopefully they can bring home a national championship. And then the other one I just want to touch on was the one that probably got the most run today, the number two prospect in the country. First prospect to sign with an FCS school going to Jackson State. Justin, your thoughts on that? Travis Hunter. Uh, this now this is this is epically what the transfer portal is about, right? Uh, Deion Sanders, the head coach at Jackson State, is arguably the only reason why Travis Hunter goes to Jackson State. On the flip side, Deion Sanders is has been mentioned and in, in the run for some Power 5 jobs. Uh, specifically, there is one that a sitting head coach is on the hot seat very much so in Mike Norvell at Deion Sanders' alma mater, Florida State. Ironically enough, this kid decommits from Florida State and goes to Jackson State where Deion is. So this is uh, this is arguably where the transfer rule comes in. He's going to cash in. He's going to make his money right off the bat using Deion's name. And then uh, when Deion moves on to a bigger job, uh, he'll transfer with him. That's uh, it. Ramsey? What? Nothing. <laughs> you good? Anything That's to add a on? lot of Badgers uh, content to sift through. I'm really glad Justin pays attention to it because college athletics in general is super hard to follow unless you're super dedicated to it. 
I love it. I, I know you do. It, and it's I, interesting. I, I'm glad that's that's something that you I can't do it. Like I don't have like I obviously pay attention, but like not to that extent. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I love the the recruiting the recruiting stuff. This is like this is like a holiday for me. I know it is. I, I I loved it and um uh you know there are a lot of people that are gonna bag on the on the Badgers recruiting class and what their rankings are. Um if you can look further into it and you can see the average rank of the recruit that they've gotten uh is by two forty seven sports um is an eighty seven I believe twenty five something like that that would rank uh in the top five of the Big Ten. So the rankings are, you know, you can't you can't quite go off of the total rankings. You got to look at the value of the kid. Um, and arguably, the the out of the Badgers recruiting class, the one that they glow about the most um, is is a kid out of Monroe, Wisconsin, a, a six foot five uh, tight end out of Monroe. He he's an eighty four. He was only offered by one other school, an FCS school, and 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 those coaches just arguably love this kid. Uh, they were so glad that he camped uh, at Wisconsin, and he was a big get for them. All right, awesome stuff. And with that, just a quick hit on Ramsey's radar. Ramsey, you came into the day or in the episode last week saying your lock, your Ramsey's radar, was that Minnesota money line over the Steelers. And they did all they could to piss it away. Still came through on the money line. came through on the money line for Ramsey. I told you guys that last week. Bet the house on Minnesota. So, like I said, did everything they could to piss it away. Ended up with an eight-point win. I believe they even covered the spread on that, too. It was a three-point spread. So, Ramsey takes a win for the week. One of his first in a good while. I know. That was a good pick, though. A lot of people are taking Pittsburgh. And your next pick for this week, or picks for this week. Oh, I don't even know. I I've, got, I've got a long-term one for Ramsey. All right, Justin, give it to long, me. Long, long, long-term. All right? So it was just announced. Hold on. I'm going to cut you off today. for a second, Justin. I'm going to ask, okay. do you want to look at NFL, NBA, or any college football games? I'm going to try to find a game give for you. Give me the NFL. Okay. We'll bet NFL the rest of the year. Go ahead, Justin. Okay. Mine is this news came out, uh, I believe today, but I'm I'm just going to say this week. Carvana and Jimmy Johnson have upped for a full schedule within IndyCar. Correct. My question for you, Ramsey, is Jimmy Johnson going to finish in the top 10 in IndyCar points? Yes. Ooh. I think okay. he I, over I, ten over is, under over under eighth place. Over eighth. Okay. I would like better than eighth or worse than eighth? Worse than eighth. Worse. Yeah. I, I would guess tenth. If you put I I'd probably throw the over under at ten. I would say ten would probably be where he falls. Uh, traditionally speaking, and I guess this is just from 
where NASCAR drivers have done at Indianapolis specifically, um, Kurt Busch ran it in 2014, the Indy 500. Robbie Gordon has run the Indy 500 a couple times, and that's a NASCAR driver kind of a frame of reference. And obviously Juan Pablo Montoya went back to IndyCar after a stint in NASCAR. So Juan Pablo was an F1 driver, came over to the – Actually, I think Indy, and then went to F1, and then went back, then came to NASCAR, then went back to Indy. And traditionally speaking, those guys on oval tracks ran pretty well. And I think that... I I would not say Jimmy Johnson is going to win a race next year. However, if he did, that wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, like I said, traditionally speaking, NASCAR guys have done, I believe Kurt Busch in 2014 and Indy 500 ran sixth with no open wheel experience. Um, in my opinion, and this is probably some of a hot take for IndyCar fans, I think IndyCar is probably the least talented of the top racing divisions in the world. And that's, uh... Not necessarily a shot at IndyCar. I just think there's the least money there. And IndyCar traditionally isn't necessarily a stepping stone to get to F1. It can be, but usually, especially how F1 is set up now, that is a... You get into an F1 program and you're in the F1 program. You're not necessarily how it used to be, where you used to be able to run Indy or Kart and then kind of go over and run spot races in F1 and then get F1 rides. So, in my opinion, I think Jimmy Johnson's going to be competitive. Next year, I think that um, he ran all the road courses, and traditionally speaking, or he ran all the road courses last year. Traditionally speaking, Jimmy Johnson wasn't necessarily regarded as a very good road course driver, even in NASCAR. So, mm-hmm. I think he's going back to his strong suit and it's going to kind of minimize some of his weaknesses as a driver. Yeah. I would totally agree. I was just curious what your takes were going to be on it. Uh, I think he's taken the right approach uh, to to the start of his IndyCar um, goals. So we'll see. See. that That's always fascinating to me when you have um, – drivers venturing off into other racing endeavors, whether mm-hmm. that's the Snowball Derby or the 24 hours, uh, the Rolex 24 Daytona coming up here in February, or um, even there was a lot of talk about Kyle Larson trying to get in a test over the last weekend for F1. That... It, it kind of hard or goes back to the days of like AJ Foyt and Mario Andretti and you know the Junior 60s Johnson and 70s when those guys would be running like in 1967 AJ Foyt ran the Indy 500 the Rolex 24 and Le Mans and then by 1971 he also won the Daytona 500 so in a span of 4 years he won every single major event and nowadays, it's probably never going to happen again due to how F1's restrictions are and how 
more how much more talented drivers are in general. But it is mm. it is cool to see guys venture out outside of their comfort zone a little bit and do something that really hasn't been done for about thirty years now. Yeah. All right. So Ramsey's radar, your football picks of the week. I got three games for you. Obviously, we'll do the Packers one later, so that's not factored in here. First, we're gonna go Panthers Bills. We've seen the Panthers obviously got kind of come become a dumpster fire here. Also, the Bills aren't so hot here lately either. Bills are opening up. In or at home as a ten and a half point favorite over the Panthers. Ooh. Bills to cover. Then we go to Ooh, I'll take the Panthers. I'm that's thinking a, the Panthers cover. That's a must win game for yeah. Buffalo. Yeah. Then we go down to eleven points. We go down to the Sunshine State, two of the more traditional bad teams over our lifetime. The Jets and the Dolphins, Miami opening up as a 10-point favorite. Oh, I don't know, Ramsey. I, I'm I'm leaning towards the Dolphins to cover here, Ramsey. Um, it looks like 10 points, money line. I would take the Dolphins. I don't think that game's going to be close. I'd take the Dolphins to cover. All right. And then the last one I'm picking, Sunday Night Football, Saints-Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's favored by 11 points right now. But Tom Brady, as the Buccaneers quarterback, is 0-3 in the regular season. It's in Tampa Bay. Give me New Orleans to cover. I've taken the favor of the other two, so give me New Orleans to cover. Let me see if I can find I'd have to agree. We only bet the really long odds, and that makes it super hard. I would say my lock of the week is going to be New England to cover against the Indianapolis Colts. Really? The Indianapolis Colts opened at a, as a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against New England. Mm-hmm. I'm Saturday gonna, night football. Saturday night. My, that's my lock of the week. I'm going to say New England covers the two and a half at Indianapolis. All right. Justin, you want to venture with the two and a half or with the uh, lock of the week? I, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going with um, Carolina to cover as the lock of the week. All right, I'm gonna take. So I, I know I didn't do the the picks along with you guys. If I if I was doing the picks along with you guys, I'd go. I I I don't I know I tried to talk you out of it. I think I'm gonna go Bills cover. The Dolphins cover. I think the Saints cover as well. So I'm kind of in line with Ramsey. My lock of the week. Give me the. No, I don't want to do the home route. I was gonna say the Packer game, but we're gonna talk about that pretty much later, uh, or in a little bit here. Give me. Give me the Bears to cover over Minnesota. The Bear or the Vikings are a three and a half point favorite, or yeah, three and a half point favorite on the road in Chicago Monday Night Football. Give me the Bears to cover that. I have no reason to think that other than I don't think the Vikings are really that good. They kind of had their their desperation mode win over the Steelers. I think they're going to kind of crash. 
especially as they look forward here, they'd have Rams, Vikings, or Rams, Packers again, and then Bears again. I think the Bears get it done on Monday Night Football in Chicago. Oh, wow. So that... Badgers making the run back. Sorry. All good, all good. So we go... <laughs> We go right into the Packers discussion. Packers get a pretty big win. They ended up covering the massive point spread. It was ugly at times. The offense started out a little slow, but ended up getting cooking and, and kind of took over the game. The defense did enough at the you know when when needed, including a pick six for the second straight week from Rasul Douglas. Lots to break down there. I where do you guys want to start? Well, it's got to start and finish with the and we've already touched on it, the 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 special teams, like, you know, and where that could hinder us even going forward. We've got a great opportunity now with even Baltimore. If Lamar Jackson doesn't play, we've got a great opportunity now with one of the weaker remaining schedules to really figure this out, uh, the special teams, um, and in to even get some of the more premier guys out there to make this thing work. Um, because like we said, if it, if it doesn't get shaped up, if it doesn't turn around, we might not even win the first, the first game in the playoffs, let alone a Super Bowl. So one, one good note here, kind of taking one small piece out of that, David Bakhtiari in practice today with the helmet on, working with the team. I believe Jair Alexander, I believe he was a limited participant, but still in the um, group of guys participating in practice. Let me just confirm that uh, report from practice today. Just a moment. I do believe you're right. I think he is. I think Bakhtiari practiced today, too. Bakhtiari was participating in practice, had a helmet on. Jair Alexander is practicing, so he was considered... Uh, officially on the designation today, he's not technically on the injury report because he hasn't been actually um, activated, but he did, I believe he did a full practice today for that consideration. That's awesome. That, that's important stuff. I mean, especially on the offensive line now. When you uh, Was there uh, anything that came out with the terms of what Billy Turner's uh, so with the media today, a couple of notes on on that. Um, David Bakhtiari was in a helmet and was participating, but it would, did consider as a not practice today. Same with Zadarius, but Jair was a was a practice participant. Uh, Billy Turner does not appear to have a season-ending injury. No timetable on the return. Uh, these all coming from our friend over at the twelve sixty five report, Eric Upton. Um, so that's his information here. Um, losing another guy on the offensive line now. You're you're talking about uh, four starters down and a rookie uh, that started at right guard. So that could be something to watch over over our time here. Getting Bakhtiari back would be a huge benefit. Now it's not you know Dennis Kelly came in and he did a sufficient job and. Yash had a had a bit of a struggle at the beginning of the game, and they had to chip to help. So 
you know, it's 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 worth monitoring going forward. And and who are who are we pulling up off the practice squad to take Billy Turner's spot? Is that a question, or are you saying that you're going to curious on how that's going to go? I think it's both. You know, uh, because the it, Packers. It, I mean, they it, did it, add a, another lineman to the practice squad today, uh, signing Michael Manet from Penn State. Six four three zero one was a seventh round pick by the Cardinals this last year. Yeah, um, but who did they pull up to the main roster? I did not see that. Here or have today. they not done that yet? I don't believe that they've made that move today, but I will take a look at that here a little further. It's got to be, it's got to be a consideration of one of the two Badger guys, I would assume, Dietzen or or uh, Van Lannan, which you're talking about. Either one is a rookie, so it's the depth is is definitely being challenged um they have what, not made and, an official move on that front uh, as of right now the only move they've made uh juan winfrey was signed to the active roster on monday yesterday they activated jordan love and also while we talk about that just a quick shout out kurt banker getting the victory formation snaps stallion uh, I, w- I don't want to call it moment of the year because i mean obviously there are far actually better moments but just one of those cool kind of notes, you know, guy played or has been in the league for better part of three or four years, something like that, and got his first NFL snaps. It was his first game he got to suit? Right. That's right. So that's an Aaron shout out to Aaron Rodgers even for kind of making the work to kind of be in Matt LaFleur's ear about making sure he got those victory formation snaps. However, the one one kind of detriment to him though right now is that while he has appeared in more NFL games than all three of us combined, all three of us combined have more rushing yards than him in the NFL. Hmm. Oh. Just a fun fact. Oh. little cocktail fact. That's... If I've got more rushing yards than anybody, I feel sorry for that son of a bitch. Oh, you got more than Kurt Benker right now. He's got minus one. I would, uh, with the whole offensive line issue, luckily coming down the stretch here and potentially even once we get to the first round of the playoffs, whoever we happen to face at that point, we don't have to deal with a whole lot of major pass rushing teams. Baltimore this week, their defense isn't great. I mean, it's been okay at times, but they're not necessarily known for the pass rush. The Cleveland Browns are the week after that. They do have Miles Garrett, who's having an amazing season. However, the rest of the team, you shouldn't have to worry about all that much. And then, obviously, Minnesota and Detroit to end the year. And neither one of those teams are necessarily known for having a massive pass rush either. So, at least fortunately for the next month, we're not going to be going up against defenses that are powerhouses anyway. Right. There's a couple of powerhouse players, but you can manage players when you have multiple players on the same team. That's when you have issues. And really with the res- or the resurgence of A.J. Dillon, the offensive line gets helped out a lot when you have just this big dude just running behind you. That helps, 
And then Aaron Rodgers being able to check out of trouble at the line, that also helps. I, I think that the offensive line right now is a concern, but I don't think it's necessarily man overboard yet. I think they're serviceable to there's they're gonna be serviceable enough to win playoff games. Put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, I know we we kinda go back and forth on what we actually think of the front office. Some days it's you know, the fact that they're still competitive and still doing enough to kinda kick ass and uh when with all the injuries you consider and are only going to be healthier as this kind of goes down the road. And having that depth from these guys, like a guy like Rasul Douglas, a guy like Devondre Campbell that really kind of got thrown away in a lot of ways. You know, both of them, for that matter. I mean, Rasul Douglas wasn't even in the organization. He was on a practice squad for the Cardinals at the start of the season. You look at Devondre Campbell, who was kind of very quietly picked up as a free agent. You look at, you know, those signings, it's like, okay, this front office is pretty good. And we look at things like, the whole situation of not getting guys to be um, on special teams and kind of having to flounder there. Lots to kind of break down there. So say what you will about the front office. Um, I think there there is some silver linings here. And like I said, just the fact that you're going to be considerably more healthy than almost every other team if you get these guys back mm-hmm. for that stretch playoff run. That You know, they keep throwing the term stretch run around. What does that really mean? But... As of right now, the Green Bay Packers are the number one seed in the NFC. They hold tiebreakers over both um, Tampa Bay and the Cardinals, who got a who took a big loss, which we kind of were talking about as expecting, over the Rams. So they they kind of fall their game. We have the head to head over them. We have the better common opponent tiebreaker over Tampa Bay as well as a better in-conference record, so the three and four tiebreakers there. And I did look this up, this up earlier this week, so I didn't know that off the top of my head. Um, the, those are the third and fourth tiebreakers you can have. So good things kind of coming, and Ramsey said, I mean, we look ahead too much to the, the Ravens here. Um, the Lamar injury only is good for Green Bay. As of right now, with that ankle sprain, we don't know the full extent of it. It did cause him to leave the game against... Cleveland. Well, regardless, and I know you guys both had ankle sprains before, but that's not something that you recover from in a week period. Like, if they're if it's truly an ankle sprain, right? You he's not going to be a hundred percent come Sunday, regardless. Mm-hmm. Even of, a lower ankle sprain, he'll be probably good enough to play. Right, but he you lose a little bit regardless of whatever it is. So and let's be honest with Lamar Jackson. I th- I I'm a lot I like Lamar Jackson a lot more than a lot of people do. I think he throws a pretty decent football, especially compared to some of the other quarterbacks that are in the league and maybe even that division. Maybe even for a team that I don't know, we might play the week after. But I think that Lamar Jackson with a bum ankle does not scare me near as much as it would with a healthy ankle. And even at this point, I guess the defense really hasn't been... The defense has been good in situations, and then that's all you'll have to be to beat the Ravens. Or that's all you should have to be to beat the Ravens.
Justin? Yeah, I don't think – I think uh, the rest of the games, the Packers are going to be uh, heavy favorites, right? I don't think there's any dispute about that. Uh, but I think there are questions that do need to be answered. Um, uh, and, and they're fairly uh, awesome questions to, to have, you know. Uh, are we solidified with a guy like Patrick Taylor as our as our third down back or our third running back? Um, not that that's a, a big question um, going forward, but what happens if if uh, Jones or or Dylan go down? Um, do we have our eyes on something else? Um, are we solidified in who our return people are on special teams? Uh, our coverage units. Um, are we solidified with our our long snapper? Um, are we solidified with who our our uh, our nickel cornerbacks are and 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 where are we with how how well Henry Black has played? Uh, can he continue that long stretch of playing um, throughout the rest of the year in the playoffs? So I think there are a lot of questions, but I think they're they're good questions. Um, and we and I don't know that I even talked about the depth of of the offensive line because you know as it sits. With the roster that we have, we're one injury away from even a guy like Dennis Kelly going down to being in a pretty, a pretty ugly spot right now. So I think there's a lot of good questions. Uh, I think that that's the one scary question: uh, Are we looking at street free agents outside of practice squad guys? Are there, you know, is there a anomaly in in like an Andrew Whitworth out there? Uh, or a move like we made last year with Valdehir, uh that that could maybe help and, and solidify the right side of the line if Billy Turner can't come back. Um, so, uh, and, and you know we're just gaining more experience for for our two guards. I I don't think we talked enough about how well um, John Runyon has played uh, at left guard all year long and we go back to with Bakhtiari coming back, you know, one of those two guys in Newman or Runyon are going to lose their starting job. And they both played um, significantly well. Uh, that's not going to happen this year, uh, but they've, they've uh, solidified themselves as to what they are to this team and on the roster. So I think there's good questions. And I think, uh, you know where do we where do we go with our slot guy? Is is Alan Lazard moving to the slot? Where's Amari Rogers fitting in? Um, who's gonna is he really gonna fill Cobby's role? Um, Dominique Daphne going down. Uh, where are we gonna fill in that roster spot? Uh, obviously Ryan Davis has uh, played some snaps. Josiah DeGuara has come up big here in recent weeks. Uh, Mercedes Lewis with a couple big catches, uh, kind of moving off of his uh, normal script of being a, a, a main run blocker for us. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're a growing team, but I think there's a lot of questions going forward if this is a team that's going to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and just, I guess, to kind of um... – reflect a little bit here on the Bears game. Obviously, we talked about kind of some of the negatives here, but I guess 
just kind of go around the table, your biggest positive from that Bears win, aside from just kind of taking care of business over a, a bad team? Well, I, I don't think I don't think there's anything more positive throughout this year in the diamond in the rough that the Packers have found in Rasul Douglas. I don't think that I, – I think this dude has solidified himself to where he's going to get Kevin King's contract next year. I mean, he's playing like the $6 million dude. Uh, I am so – I am truly enamored with this dude, with the style of play that he has. Uh, he's an aggressive dude, um, just attacking the ball. Uh, I, I love this dude. I think he, he – uh, has gave so much. I think he is on the border of being a, a pro ball cornerback this year. That's tough. I would just kind of echo that a little bit. Russell Douglas has played really well. The defense outside of a few, there's a blown coverage, obviously, that led to a touchdown. And really, outside of special teams issues, the defense played all right. And a rivalry game in division, no matter what, is always going to be a tough game. It's always going to be closer than what it probably should be. And for what it's worth, the Bears played about as good as they possibly could have. And I don't really think that game was ever really much of a question. Right. I mean, no. I know my we were, I was watching it with Mel and my sister on Sunday night, and they were both kind of on me. I'm like, I think the Bears went up two scores at one point, and they're like, oh, what's going on? What's And I'm like, just relax. There's a lot of game left. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't like the Packers were being necessarily outplayed. They just, the special teams wasn't yeah, great. And the Bears played about as good as they possibly could have and they still didn't win. So I think that says a lot right yeah. there. It had a weird feel about it, didn't it, Ramsey? Like, you know, the Bears wanted to push this. Like, their sideline was all amped up about how well they were playing. And we're up 10 on the on the, on the backers in Lambeau. But I don't think there was a Packer fan that was even close to worried about the game. No, because they go like, down and they march down the field. They scored the touchdown. Then literally the one of the I think what was the third down play, pick six to Russell Douglas, and it's 14 10. You're like, right. okay. Yeah. And then you get a stop, and then or no, was that the was that the time of the punt return touchdown, or was that when they had the long play? Kind of the fluke touchdown. It but one of those. Yeah. And you know But the I, offense goes down and scores again. Honestly, it's one of those things that at this point, I know there was a report on ESPN about Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's inevitable that he's not going to be a Packer was a report that came out earlier today. And I still don't believe that. For no, and like I was listening to it, and I'm like, you can put that narrative out there. You can put that. But if you look at the division that Aaron's in, and even Justin Fields, for what it's worth, I think Justin Fields is a really good talent. I don't know if he's has the arm talent to outduel Aaron Rodgers at this point in his career. No. I don't think he has the arm talent to outduel Mac Jones at this point in his career. That's <laughs> that might be a fair statement there, Justin. You might I'm not. just saying Mac Jones is gonna be the best quarterback out of that out of that draft class. It's pretty simple. He's got the number, you know. I I just keep repeating it every week because I love being right. 
Anyways, I'm sorry. I didn't want to be a dickhead there, but you're welcome. I, I would at least give me this, though. Trevor Lawrence is in the actual dumpster fire of the year going into 2022 is probably the Jacksonville Jaguars. His last game was a dumpster fire of the year. He threw four interceptions. Yeah, but can you imagine being 21 years old? Having and, never lost a regular season game. And having to deal with Urban Meyer right now. I don't know if you've seen the reports on that either. But there, there's reports that just keep coming out, out and out about Urban Meyer and how he's just a train wreck and a half. I think yeah. uh, Trevor Lawrence gets a pass. Like, if Trevor Lawrence has a winning record in Jacksonville, that might make him the best player in this draft. The standards for Matt Jones and Trevor Lawrence at this point are completely different. Um, but I would definitely okay. say, if you take a second and just look around the division, you know you've, you're going to play Kirk Cousins twice a year, you're going to play Jared Goff twice a year, and you're going to play Justin Fields twice a year. Theoretically, there should be five wins there, regardless of... You should win five of those games, if you're Aaron Rodgers. So I, these reports keep coming out and saying that Aaron's leaving, and I just don't. I don't get it. I don't get it either. If you look, the only there'd only be two other options really in the league that could take Aaron Rodgers next year, and that'd be Pittsburgh and Denver. And neither one of those rosters are as good as Green Bay is right now. And I wouldn't even th- I don't even think it's necessarily all that close. But Denver to Green Bay, mm. that's not that. People are really high in Denver and how that's uh, the Tampa Bay of when Tom Brady went there. But that division is brutal. you got to go play Justin Herbert say- twice. you got to play Patrick Mahomes twice. and you got to play Derek Carr twice. I-, I would say Pittsburgh would be intriguing. Their roster is somewhat close. Yeah, but the, again, it's the same issue. You, you think about the young talent. I think they with have. Pittsburgh, though, I mean Pittsburgh, you're kind of running into Mike McCarthy 2.0. I mean, not that Mike Tomlin's a much better coach than Mike McCarthy. Don't don't get me wrong on that, but you're getting a guy who's been there forever, who at times doesn't necessarily seem like he has the most control over the locker room, and you get a, you have a really interesting mixture of a lot of young guys who are in an odd position, and then also a lot of just kind of cagey vets who put up with the young guy nonsense too. I, I don't know. I I think Green Bay is the best spot for him. I, I've always said if he's not playing in Green Bay, I don't think he's playing at all. I think that's what breaks down to the most, but I just I don't yeah. get these. I mean, we t- you listened to him on Pat McAfee the other day, and he's saying how, He's praising Brian Gutekinds and praising the relationship and praising the city of Green Bay. You listen to what Al Michaels and Chris Collins were talking about at the beginning of the game. Didn't spoil anything, but just kind of had the sense that he's happy here. He's he's good with where he's at mentally, and and I just I just don't see it. I really don't. I don't. I don't you know, and I don't like the narrative of where this is going and why it's going there. You know, it's not even relevant to what the conversation is. I think more of the conversation needs to be about why right now we can't score in the first quarter and why we're outscored. What It's 
almost it's 30 something to nothing or something like that. Oh, scored by 30 points in the first quarter. I think the narrative needs to be more about that than worrying about what's going to happen two to three months from now when Aaron Rodgers is making a career decision for himself. Well, I wouldn't even say the point deficit's that big of an issue. I would, that's, I think that's more of a Matt LaFleur offense versus, that's okay. I think the big concern, though, is just when you look at the last two years of how good they were, first possession, and how it's just kind of stalled out. And I don't know if that's just teams becoming more kind of accustomed to what that first drive usually would look like, those first 10 plays. Or if it's just, you know, kind of a older patchwork team, you know, you got patchwork line every week right now, basically. You've got a quarterback who isn't practicing uh, due to injury. You've got a couple other guys who aren't practicing due to injury or limited participants and just kind of getting back in that flow that first drive or two. So I, I, I'm, I think it's something that can be a problem in any particular game. You know, if you play mm-hmm. at Tampa Bay, you play a Los Angeles, you play a you know, Kansas City, New England in a Super Bowl type situation and you're down ten nothing, that's a lot harder to make up than it is against the Bears. However, I don't think I think it's a, just simply a matter of just kind of falling back in that game rhythm and knowing that you have enough talent to kind of accommodate for that slower start right now. I you know yeah. I don't really this Green Bay team feels just a little different to me right now with different good different bad different good I don't really think there's any issues if you look around the league right now it's kind of become down it's going to be coming down to Tampa Bay Green Bay and then take your pick of whoever you want to pick all the mess of the AFC I don't at this point Arizona doesn't scare me because Arizona probably have to come here, I'm going to guess. I'm going to be honest. I think even Tampa Bay looks a lot more vulnerable than they have in years past. And that's kind of something. Or I shouldn't say in years past, but last year. That even last year, Tampa Bay had that really late buy, and Tampa Bay came out of that buy, beat a bunch of really bad teams, and got really hot. So was Tampa Bay as dominant as we remember, or was it just that everything happened to click for them at the end of the season? And I, 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 you never want to bet against Tom Brady, obviously, but I, Tampa Bay at this point, I would say that even last year, it was about 50 50 game, right? I think Green Bay was as good as Tampa Bay was last year. I don't think the, I think that was a Super Bowl. I don't think the Kansas City game overly, especially as it played out, the Super Bowl was the NFC Championship game. I think that's the same yeah, this I- year. I would I would add one more thing to that. Uh, just I think your boy Eversol uh, stated something so correct uh, about how much different that game could have been uh, if it's played this year instead of last year, and we have eighty thousand screaming fans at Lambeau instead of eighty five hundred. You know, I think yeah. that plays a huge factor into it. And I mean, I think the AJ Dillon thing I think is the biggest benefit to the team this year well it there's so many different factors i mean you look at 
I mean, let's let's call a spade a spade. You look at in that game where Kevin King's your true number two corner, and now you have him not even on the sna- and on the field for end of game pass defense, playing dime coverage, prevent defense, and Kevin King's not even on the field for that. You have you know Rasul Douglas and and uh, Eric Stokes eating up some of those plays. Especially if you add in Jair Alexander, you look at Devondre Campbell's a much much better version of, say, a Blake Martinez, say, a Christian Kirksey, and kind of cover some of your gaps there. You look at just another year of of all around awesomeness out of the safeties in Amos and Savage. You look at the resurgence of Preston Smith, who stepped up in a very big way. And Rashawn Gary, who's also stepped up without the, you know, with Darius Smith kind of going um, on the IR. You look at even as Ramsey said, in that game, Aaron Jones goes down in the first play of the second half, mm-hmm. and basically sets up a Tampa Bay touchdown. Or yeah, I can't remember if they strips or if they got the strip and ran him for a touchdown, or if it was a like the next play. I think it was the next play. But it. still, it's a, that's a touchdown. You have Kevin King who doesn't give up two touchdowns when he gets burned by Mike Evans and then Scotty Miller. How much differently that game goes just in that element. So lots lots to kind of look at positives. I mean, obviously, you know, you still got to play the game. You still got to get back to that. But there's a lot of reasons to think it goes a lot different. And kind of breaking down the stretch here, like I said, you're going to get guys back healthy. You're not going to... I mean, yes, the Elton Jenkins loss is kind of like the David Bakhtiari loss from last year, but you're getting David Bakhtiari back. Right. So another big element there. You're getting guys healthier as opposed to guys kind of playing through things. And yeah, just like I said, or like you guys said, just a lot to look kind of forward to. Um, we look ahead at the Ravens here quickly. Uh, five and a half point favorite for Green Bay right now. We don't know the full extent. I mean, we we know that as of right now, the anticipation is that Lamar Jackson is going to play. I really think that that game is not going to be under one of those, or is going to be another one of those that isn't really in question. Um, I I do think Packers cover. I agree. I think the Packers are going to cover. I think the Packers are the better team. I think. Tampa or Baltimore this year has had some injuries that if you, if your star player in Lamar Jackson is not at 100%, they don't over-concern me right now. I think the Packers cover easy. So with no, that... I don't think there's any argument about it. You know, I, I, you know, I would love... I, th- I, think, I think I would love for the defensive line to kind of dominate this game. Uh, I think it's their time to really come up with a big game. Um, Devondre Campbell and and Chris Barnes have played so well at middle linebacker. The cornerbacks have played so well, even without Jair uh, out there. Eric Stokes has been quiet, but that's a good quiet. Uh, We're not hearing anything from him. Um, So... I think it's I think it's a hopefully what we can describe as a a defensive line game. Yeah, that checks out to me. So with that, we've got the pick in, and we can kind of wrap up with aside from the Packers this weekend. What are you guys rooting for in the week of sports or weekend of sports? 
there really anything yeah, else well, other than the Packers? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I would say, you know, basketball's kind of in the early stages. Um, just, just uh, yeah, I, I think it has to be the Packers. I don't think there's any, especially with college football, you know, that should be ramping up. Some of the bowl games should be starting up here over the weekend. Uh, so maybe keep an eye out for that. I don't know that I'm rooting for much else. There is, uh, I do believe there are live free UFC fights this weekend with an intriguing um, main event, um, um, heavyweight main event uh, that features uh, a guy that just fought for, I believe, the title in uh, Derek Lewis. Big Black Derek Lewis is what he calls himself. So um, one of the more uh, intriguing and interesting and uh, entertaining fighters in the UFC. So, so keep your eyes out for that. Yeah, as you mentioned, Justin, there are a handful of bowl games going on uh, starting on Friday. The Bahamas Bowl with Toledo and MTSU. Give me the fighting Rockets. Ten-point favorite. Oh, you got to go Rockets. Give me the Rockets. Uh, Northern the Illinois, Coastal Rockets. Carolina will take Ooh, place in the Tailgreeter tail Cure Bowl. Got to go with Thomas Hammock, the former Wisconsin Badgers running back coach, now the head coach at Northern Illinois. The big uh, Coastal Carolina favorite by 10.5 in that. Uh, Saturday. Oh, Coastal Carolina is going to crush them. But. Saturday, you've got the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl with Appalachian State and Western Kentucky. App Ooh, State a three-point favorite. Give me, give me App State. I'm going App State. Luke Combs, Luke Combs alumni. Yeah, I'm going App State here, boys. Also, Pat, former or former uh, App State grad, current Green Bay Packer, Shamar Jean Charles. Uh, we right. look fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth round pick. We look at the PUBG Mobile, so PUBG, PUBG. Uh, Mobile New Mexico Bowl with UTEP. And Fresno State. Ooh. Fresno playing with a new coach. We've got the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl with the first ranked team, that being the BYU Cougars playing UAB. That's a blowout. BYU favored by seven in that game. The Lending Tree Bowl. BYU by 12. The Lending Tree Bowl with Eastern Michigan and Liberty University. Oh, give me the Fighting Warhawks. Who is it? Liberty and Eastern Michigan. No, did you say the Warhawks aren't? Isn't Liberty the Flames? You got to go with the Flames. I have Hugh no. Freeze. Hugh, you, Hugh Freeze and Rick Pitino are like the same people. I love Rick Pitino. You got to go with Hugh Freeze. Then in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl presented by Stifle, Utah State, Oregon State. Give me the fighting Ooh, Utahs. A, the fighting Jordan loves. The Aggies. The Aggies, boys. The Utah State Aggies. But I'm going, you got to leave it to Beaver. You got to go with the Beavers here, boys. Pac-12, Jonathan Smith, head coach, going with the Beavers. And then uh, last game of the weekend, you've got Mar- or Saturday. You've got the Marshall Thundering Herd. 
taking on the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in the RL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. The Raging Cajuns. Ooh, that's it. That's interesting because that's uh, Rage of Cajuns now. They're starting with their own new head coach. He is the permanent head coach. He got bumped up. He, uh, Billy Napier took off. He, he took the, the University of Florida head job now. And, and so this uh, Desamu guy, uh, I don't know if I'm saying his name correctly. Uh, he is bumped up. He is a legend uh, from Rage of Cajun lore in the early 2000s. You uh, youngins wouldn't know that. Uh, I didn't really know that either. But uh, We were alive in the early 2000s. <laughs> you weren't paying attention to the Raging Cajuns. Then. But you got to be honest. You're going with the Raging Cajuns because they have at least a top five college nickname in football or, or, or all college athletics. There is not a better nickname in college sports than Raging Cajuns. I'm going to go Thundering Herd on that one. Go Herd. We are, Marshall. No way. We are, Marshall. Who? Raging Cajuns are a five-point favorite. Hopefully their plan doesn't crash in the way of the game. (laughs) Charles Huff is a Nick Saban Saban guy. This is a first-year head coach there, too. He's done a good job there, but then he's going to go down. In week action, before we get a chance to talk again, uh, Monday will be Old Dominion versus Tulsa in the Myrtle Beach Bowl, presented by Tax Act. The Golden Hurricanes, which doesn't make sense in Tulsa. No, not a little. (laughs) Then on Tuesday, in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Wyoming and Kent State. Oh, Wyoming. Oh, I'm going. Sean Lewis, a former tight end for the Badgers, the head coach at Kent State, the Golden Flashes. You're going with Kent State here. You got to. And then UTSA versus San Diego State, the 24th ranked Aztecs in the Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Give me the Aztecs. That's going to be a good game, all right? UTSA was a good team all year long. Jeff Trailer doing a great job building a program that is in its infancy in D1 football. They play their home games at the Alamo Bowl. They're a future power uh, team in the American Conference. But I'm going with Brady Hulk and the Aztecs. Aztecs, another great nickname. All right, that's a wrap on college football. And our root force. The only thing I'm going to add in is that was my funnest segment of the whole show. That was awesome. The only thing I'm going to add in is I'm going to root for my fantasy football team because I'm in the playoffs in two weeks. So I'm voting. I'm I'm rooting for you to lose. There's no way you should win this. Someone, we should talk to the commissioner uh, and get our get the trade deadline pulled out, and then I'll I'll trade all my good players to you, Shana. I'm the commissioner. Yeah. Suck it. Yeah, you, <laughs> you suck as commissioner. Can I be a commissioner next year? Sure. There'll be a lot more chaos. Sure, you can be the commissioner <laughs> next year. But that is going to be a wrap on episode 53, season 2, episode 1 of the Root for Wisconsin show. As I mentioned in the start of the show, thank you everyone who's taken a chance to listen to us, who continues to listen to us. 
uh, to this point. Anyone who shared, liked, commented, uh, listened along, recommended to a friend, paid attention even a little, thank you so much. Uh, we wouldn't be here to where we are and re-upping this without you guys and the fact that at least a couple people care. So thank you. And again, like I said, better, bigger things are coming. So thank you and stay tuned for that. Episode 53 is in the books. We are out. We'll see you later. Hey. Salute.